freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to episode number 402 of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com where you set the price on guns ammo and accessories i am one of your hosts cheryl todd and i'm the other guy dan todd we got a great show today and our theme is academics of freedom and we have two first today. We do. Two guests for one. <laughs> We've got Philip Van Cleve, who has been the president of the Virginia Citizens Defense League since 2001, and Alga, Alja, I'm sorry, Alja Evans, the student engagement director for VCDL. Academy. Academy. Something new. I'm super excited to hear about this. Welcome to the show, guys. Oh, it's always good to be on. It's been a while. It's good thanks for having us. You. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're excited as well. Um, we've um, realized over time how important it is to get young adults um, involved and understand their rights. Um, without schools teaching, um, you know, the basics of civics, young 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 adults anymore don't really understand their own country. They don't understand their freedoms. And this 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 is an effort to uh, open doors and bring people, uh, young people, high school and, and, and college into uh, in, into the uh, world of freedom and liberty and understanding the government and, and how how it works. That is fantastic. You know, uh, Bill, you mentioned young people don't know their civics. People my age, and I'm not so young. <laughs> Uh, I think I was right on the cusp of when they they switched from civics to social studies, and now I don't even know what they're teaching. But Al, you are uh, of that younger demographic, so <laughs> I'm excited to see someone from your generation who is actively involved in something like this and sharing that information with your contemporaries and then the next generations to come. How did you get involved with this? Um, well, I, in general, I've been really involved in politics on the conservative side for pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, the first time I ever like volunteered for any sort of uh, position was in 2012 and um, 27. So it's just been something I've always been very passionate about. Um, I think particularly when it comes to VCDL and the Second Amendment, um, I think that, you know, Phillips saw the same thing that I was seeing, which is there really is not a pro-gun voice be from my generation or younger. Um, and if you look out into just the culture, you'll see several different groups backed by, you know, whoever different, um, you know, 
millionaires and things of that nature that are really trying to push to take away our rights. And I see people my own age being affected by that. I mean, it's working. What they're doing is working, which is why we're seeing the laws, particularly like it, in Virginia, we had the, a red flag law. Basically, you could, your neighbor could snitch on you and the police could come and take your weapons with, without due process. Um, and people my age were saying this is this is good. And, you know, I was kind of seen as an abnormality saying that, hey, no, you know, we need our Second Amendment rights. We can't, especially without due process, have our rights just taken away from us. We need to stand up and do something about it. And so, um, you know, Philip and I, we, we got together and we both recognized that this need and, um, and, and that's where we basically came up with the VCDL Academy. Um, to, to really fill that space, because if we don't do it, you know, right now, there really isn't anybody that's that is doing it. Well, it is. So So I have a question for Al. So, you know, in school, are you being uh, alienated or are you being rejected by your friends for your beliefs? So in general, I would say for me personally, I've always been very open with uh, with how I think and, you know, how I believe. So you know, the, the people who are going to be friendly with me are going to be, you know, friendly with me because I'm not trying to hide anything. But I do find that a lot of other people that I've talked to, um, they do feel as if if they were to express how they were really feel about this issue and others, um, that they would be ostracized. Uh, I, I really think that I understand that feeling. Um, but if we are all pretending that we aren't conservative or we don't have these certain views, mm -hmm. then we are really perpetuating mm -hmm. that stereotype that young people don't feel this way. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I, I feel because I've been so open about it, um, you know, I really didn't necessarily have that issue. I may have had a few issues with some uh, more left-leaning teachers, um, but when it came to the student body, you know, pretty much most people knew what I knew what I had to say. Um, and, and that's what we really, what I believe we really need to do. Um, we, we can't be scared on college campuses or even in high schools. We, we need to be strong in our beliefs and be able to articulate them well. Yeah, universities and colleges have changed quite a bit. When I went to college and, and university, you know, basically they, you, the universities and schools like that prided themselves on diversity and under making you think outside the box. Look for new solutions. Look for new ways. Don't just assume that what you've been told is the proper way. Look outside of that. Try to find some. Now it's just the opposite. Oh, no, you're not marching in line like a bunch of lemmings. Uh oh, you're you're a troublemaker. You're a misogynist. You know, you're, you're somebody that we don't want to associate with because you're not thinking exactly like we are. It's the opposite. It's completely reversed. And I'm, it's, it's shocking how quickly that actually happened and took root. It's true. Uh, I gained my master's degree five or so years ago, and it was at a Christian-based uh, educational facility, you know, university institute. And even there, you could feel and see that there were there was just this certain way you're supposed to uh, use words and things you're not supposed to talk about had nothing to do with being Christian and everything to do with being politically correct. And, um, you know, I, I just live and breathe what I do with the, being an advocate for all of our rights, but most particularly our second amendment rights. And so all of my papers and presentations would just kind of 
work their way into that, uh, you know, mindset. And so um, I could feel this weird sort of pushback, but I was one of the older students just because the, you know, the time in my life when I, I went to take my studies. And I think that galvanized me a little bit, but I kept picturing what if I was younger, mm -hmm. that pressure would definitely weigh on me. It may not cave me in, but it would weigh on me. And I would probably find myself doing things and saying things to try to fit in more. So Al, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. Children only know what the, what they're taught. I mean, when we're born in the world, we really don't know anything. We're taught about things. And if you're not taught about freedom, then you don't know about freedom. If you're not taught about thinking outside the box and, 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 and so forth, you don't know about that. Mm -hmm. And if you're taught from the beginning, oh, you don't say certain words. You know, the, the whole idea of political correctness is really controlling our speech. That came yes. in a while back. And that whole idea was, yep. let's control speech. Let's narrow mm -hmm. it down. And uh, it's all been part of a, a big uh, change in our culture. Um, and it's it's caused serious harm. And we're going again. What what Al is working on in, in BCDL is trying to reverse that whole concept, at least for as many people as we can reach out to. Wow! When I was in school, we all we were worried about was whether we take the twelve gauge or the four ten <laughs> and put it on the rack to go hunting after school. That's but I true. but I do have a question. You know, there's two things that are going to fix this this whole mess, and that's the younger generation and women. They, the women are, are very strong with their voices and they're really uh, demanding that we have our rights and the young generation, you know, I, I made a big mistake when I was young, uh, probably about your age. My dad was very strong in gun rights and he fought hard for it. And he'd always asked me to help and I would kind of help, but I really didn't get involved. Big mistake. And I regret it to this day. And all I can do is try to catch up, but you never can. But the younger generation, if if my generation would have stayed strong, we wouldn't be in this situation we're in today. Mm. If men would have not been so hard on women getting into this this field, mm. then we would be in better shape than we are today. Mm. But we're getting there. And it's uh, I love to see Al seeing you going to school, fighting for our rights, voicing your opinion is amazing. Thank you. So talk to us about uh, what the Academy is, Al. What what specifically is it? How do people get involved with it? So the VCDL Academy is specifically aimed at younger people, though anybody can join. It's basically, I, I really look at it as kind of a VCDL plus. You get a lot, pretty much everything that you would get with the VCDL in addition to the classes that we're going to be putting on across the state, in addition to priority when it comes to like the internship, for example, the practical politics internship, mm -hmm. as well as really trying to organize young people into different groups across mm -hmm. the state so that they can actually go out into the community and spread the information that we're learning. So we focus on the Second Amendment, obviously, and the history of firearms. But like Philip was saying, civics as a discipline is really not taught the way that it used to be. Um, and I was in high school, you know, and I graduated in 2014. And even from then, things have already degraded even more. Um, no matter, honestly, if no matter what side of the aisle you're on, no matter what issue is the most important to you, if you don't 
understand how our system works, a system that, you know, we're really blessed to have because not every country in the world can citizens actually change their government. But you can't expect that to happen if, you know, half of the country doesn't even understand how the process works at all. And that's on the federal level, not even to mention on the state level. Um, so we really are trying to focus on that sort of education, as well as, like I said, to spread it throughout the community so that young people can teach um, older people. Um, like you were saying, Dan, you know, the earlier generations, a lot of people were apathetic to a lot of this stuff. And, you know, even if they had good education, a lot of people, you know, it's been a long time. If people don't engage with it, then they forget. But if you have a young high school or college age student knocking on your door, you know, really asking you, hey, what do you think about the Second Amendment? What do you think about, you know, the actually enumerated powers of the federal government? It will actually make you think. Um, and so that's kind of like the, the broad overview. And of course, we're also, you know, we, we plan to have like shooting competitions and stuff like that, because really the sport is the hook. That's something I really feel is um, really important. When it comes to young people and, you know, you can, people can think back to when they were, you know, in their late teens and early 20s. Having fun is sometimes a lot more important than, you know, doing political work. But if we can make the work fun and I mean, we have we, I mean, shooting is an Olympic sport. It's something that everybody if you've ever done it, it's something that you love to do. And so if we can use that to get more people interested, um, then I think that we will be in a very strong position moving forward. Well, it's fantastic. And, you know, of course, one of the hurdles is to break through the fog that so many young people are in, um, that they think they already know what they know. They're maybe not curious or hungry to learn our history, to learn their responsibilities as a, a citizen. Um, so how do we reach the target audience that you're you're trying to get to? So really important is we we have to be there. Like we need to meet people where they actually are. Um, so kind of like with some things that I've already said on the college campuses, you know, if there even is a general, let's say even political science club, they're always going to be run by leftists the um the sponsor of the group usually to have a um an officially universally recognized organization you have to have a faculty sponsor generally that's going to be a leftist um the administration is going to be a leftist so where are the conservative groups that or conservative um activists that are interested in this um i think probably the the best thing that we could say would be like the um, the speakers who go around to the different colleges and then every once in a while they get um, they get shut down. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not that's good, but that's not consistently changing the minds on that campus. You know, you come, you have your big controversial um, event, mm -hmm. and then you know you're gone. And then the liberal or the leftist clubs are just going to basically recruit off of that. Mm. But if we even if we're not able to get on the campus officially because, you know, everybody is going to be more or less against us. If we can set up a community group around the college and actually engage in that community, we go knocking doors is probably like one of the biggest things. I, 
to convince somebody face to face about how really the, the 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 country was set up and how it's supposed to work um so that's like on the college side but on a more general we have to be more active on like social media as well mm-hmm. and again i don't just mean like kind of like the big named people but average people need to really be there offering an alternate viewpoint to uh, basically the left of the leftist narrative that has been really propagated you know for at least the last 20 years very intensely but really going back to the 60s if we really want to get into it but um those are pretty pretty much the two biggest things we we have to just meet them where they are we we need to understand as well again young people the average young person the person who's not like super politically motivated naturally really is not going to care about this stuff unless we make them care um one thing that we're also really focused on in the academy is self-defense classes, um, particularly amongst for for young women on college campuses, where there is a, you know there is physical threats. If you're you know walking at home, walking back to your dorm, and it's you know past ten o'clock, pitch black, you would want to have the skills to defend yourself in case something happens, mm-hmm. um, and so. You know, those are the sorts of issues that people will care about, whether they're politically motivated or not. And that's kind of what we we really need to focus on, meeting people where they are and actually talking to the issues that they care about um, in relation to the Second Amendment. Absolutely. So, Philip, you know, we took 25 people out shooting one time that's never fired a gun before. And we had everything from 22s all the way to machine guns. And a lot of them were very reluctant to shoot at all. But by the end of the day, they shot every gun that was on the table and it was very well organized, very safe. And it changed minds. Mm -hmm. It actually changed minds. And that's, I think, is the key to uh, get people on the other side is to to get the opportunities to take them out and shoot. It will make a change. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are on the right track. Oh, you're you're muted, Philip. Yeah, I was going to say it's our version of cocaine. Uh, we get them <laughs> out, and they and they, they we know they're going to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, it dispels the 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 all the myths and things they've heard about gun. Oh, the guns. Oh, these are evil. But they think they know what it's like to shoot a gun. And when the first time they pull a trigger, it's like, whoa, that was nothing like I was expecting. But understand, what have the schools been doing? If you even draw a picture of a gun, right, you're going to the principal's office. You you chew. Uh, a piece of food in the shape of a gun. You're going to the principal's office. You're kicked out. You're so this is indoctrination that's starting very young. So these people are truly afraid. It's like, oh my God, I I can't even say the word gun. And if I do, I'm evil. I'm I'm uh, you know uh, racist uh, and all that. So we're, once they actually shoot the gun, they realize, well, this is all baloney. And once they start learning, I found just teaching people safety was enough to start to turn some people around. They just didn't know anything about guns as soon as i explained the basic safety rules i could see a, a calming effect mm-hmm. on that person because oh okay so it's mm-hmm. that easy to make sure you don't hurt somebody mm-hmm. it's that easy mm-hmm. right and so the the other side doesn't want guns at all so they don't want to teach people how to be safe with guns so it's like if you're if your kid if you don't have a swimming pool and you don't teach your kid to swim well what about when he goes next door 
-hmm. and they have a pool. Mm -hmm. Your kids should learn how to swim. Your kids should learn the basics of a firearm so that when they are exposed to the firearm, that they know what to do. And they're, they're trying to take that away too. And that's why we're having more accidents, I think, with firearms. But and, and uh, truly, accidents feed into the other side. Oh, right. look, another child has died. We got to do something about guns. Yes, I mean, right. I hate to sound that that it uh, is callous or whatever. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Al, the thing that I think is the hardest thing on 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 talking to people about guns is everybody argues now. They don't have conversations. Mm-hmm. They don't listen to the other side, and then they fight and argue their points to you to try to get you to change the way you are. And I, that's the biggest hurdle that I see when I have conversations with people uh, throughout the day that they just, they fight, they don't have conversations. Are you yeah, seeing no, that? I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and I, I do think that that's a big contributing factor to kind of like this idea of a, of a liberal school versus a conservative school wherein, you know, in the past, pretty much any college that you would go to, unless it's like very, you know, ideologically focused on a certain thing, you really, the ideological diversity allowed for, you know, the different ideas to actually compete with each other. You know, even if you are the biggest anti-gun person, you, you want your arguments to make sense. And you can, right, right, exactly. That, or at least that's how it it should be. And if you're talking to somebody who is of the different um, position, you know, that's like the perfect opportunity to sharpen your sword against, you know, of an adversary. And personally, like stuff like that, I enjoy. I like to debate, even for you know the sake of debating. You know, is what you're saying, does it make logical sense? You know, is this backed up by actual facts and statistics or is it something that, you know, is just a nebulous feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, is that we 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 have lost that in 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 America, I feel. And I and with the colleges, I think it, it really just contributes to that. I'm not going to talk about, you know, this at all. Mm-hmm. I don't want to interact with anything that is controversial because I, I just don't want to deal with it. You know, I want to just go, you know, work, make my money, go to school and get my grades and, and just, and do well. I don't want to deal with any of that. Um, and, and it's just something that I feel like we need to do. I think it's a little bit bigger than just, you know, even the VCDL Academy. This is something that's, this is an issue with like the entire country where we just need to be able to to come together and talk to people more. Um until we can do that, you know, we're going to continue to see a lot of the things that, that we see, unfortunately. Well, I'm an old guy and I got all my set ways, but if somebody talks to me with a regular tone, I can be convinced of some things that I believe or might not be right. But when they yell and scream at you or totally blank stare you, then that's a different situation. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have to be open and we've lost that. And I think it's because, like you said, I think the teachers are keeping us from doing that. They don't want us to debate. They want us to think exactly like they think and move on. Well, it makes their job And easy. violence has become a big part of it, too. You yes. say the wrong thing to somebody, their beatdown is going down constantly. If you look on Twitter, every day there's people getting beat, beat down and by multiple people over something they said. 
Right. Um, so you, there's a lot of fear out there, too, of walking outside the box and finding people either verbally abusing you mm -hmm. in a large group or ostracizing right. you and so forth. So it's, it's, a, it's tough right now. It really is. Over stupid so, things, too. Stupid. Yes, stuff. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So, cool. Philip, I'm going to toss this question to you. So the Second Amendment, it is not a political issue. It's in our Bill of Rights. Our Bill of Rights was written for everyone, right? Right. But the reality is you that but. I did say, but the reality is that it has become a political football. The whole idea of gun ownership and and our our rights and where they even come from, right? There's people that that believe that this document gives us our rights. It's mm. not true. Right. Our rights are God given. The fact that we were breathing air is why we have the right to protect our one and only life. But here we are. Right. It's this big political mess. How do we use politics, knowing that it's part of it? in order to do good, right? How do we uh, stay away from the dark side, go to the, the, use the force for good? How do we do that well? Well, number one, we have to be engaged. And this is another problem. I can tell you, I, I think we're seeing a lot of apathy again. Here we go again. Gun owners tend to get very, as do a lot of Americans tend to get very apathetic. Oh, things seem to be going smooth. Nobody's taking my guns away right now. So I'm, and, and, and the, you you can't do that. You've got to get the right people in office. And that's the problem right now is the, a lot of wrong people are in office. You have to understand government attracts some people that are wonderful. And I've met some of them that are really, truly, I'm proud to see them in the government. But it also attracts the kind that want power, that want control, that want want to be able to dominate others. Well, you and I can't understand somebody wanting to dominate somebody else. There are people that live for that. They always will. And unless you're out there voting and actively working for the good guys, those bad guys will, who are desperately seeking power in government will find their way in and they will make our lives miserable. And they have been doing that now for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And it's more than, I'll toss this one to you, Al. It's more than just the, the D versus R, right? Because you can have somebody that has, you know, the big Republican are blazed on their chest and their cape waving in the wind and they are ones that will compromise sometimes and say mm -hmm. well you know red flag laws maybe there's a place for those we're seeing that in tennessee right now i know you guys are in virginia but um how do you feel that we can um make not only for ourselves make wise decisions but help that next generation sift and weigh the wheat from the chaff and not just get blinded by the letter the d or the r or the independent or the libertarian right but we know the two main are the the republicans and the democrats no that is a 100 percent um that is a really really good point and even you know I, you talking about it going on in tennessee that is 100 actually how the red flag law got passed in virginia um and one thing I will say, when when people who need some guidance when it comes to this issue, um, sometimes you know, well, I'll, I'll just say in this specific situation, you know, it, it he 
he supported this this bad legislation, red flag laws, and ended up losing his seat. I think it became very obvious that this was something that the base really cares about. We, I mean, especially we're talking about taking your rights away without due process. Like, it's hard to imagine somebody, you know, doing that. But if people, like you said, they're looking for solutions to an issue, the, you know, these situations keep happening. And they're like, well, what, what can we do? Because I'm getting pushback from basic, I'm getting pushback from the left, right? Well, you can try to find whatever, you know, solution you're trying to find. Specifically, I would say, you know, we need to focus on mental health and actually opening up more mental health institutions so that people aren't in a situation, you know, where you're acting crazy and something bad happens, whether there's a firearm involved with it or not. You know, one of the biggest, um, I don't know, like, I don't know if y'all are following this, but, you know, there's a big thing about um, a guy who got um, killed in the subway in New York from a chokehold, right? And so now everybody's talking about that. But what's the one thorough line there is that why was this mentally handicapped person on the subway, right? Mm -hmm. um, why are these mentally handicapped people, these people who are, you know, shown to be mentally um, not where they need to be, why aren't they actually getting the care mm -hmm. that they need? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, obviously that will come goes to a whole different issue that, you know, people will, will argue about that. But when it comes to the Republicans versus the Democrats, you know, I, I think that a lot of times it is something similar to what, you know, Philip was saying, whereas, you know, some people pick a party, not necessarily because of the ideals of that party, but it may just be where they live. You know, they say, hey, I, you know, you live in D.C., you're a Democrat. And if you live in, you know, Bristol, for example, you're, you're a Republican. Um, you could be a, a far left or not necessarily a far left because you only go with so far left in the Republican Party. But you could be on that left flank of the Republican Party. And, um, you know, we would need to go to them and, and talk to them about, hey, where? Sorry about that, guys. That's okay. Um, where do your beliefs come from? Like, why did you actually get into politics? A lot of times when I've had conversations with folks about that, um, even on the Democratic side, what becomes pretty interesting is that a lot of times it's not like the Second Amendment. They don't care about it, or there might even be pro-Second Amendment, but there's another issue that they care about way more, like, you know, abortion or Medicare for all or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I'm going to compromise my Second Amendment because if I want to get, you know, this abortion bill passed, then um, basically all of the anti 2A people will come after me if I support 2A legislation and primary me and put in an even further left Democrat. Um, and so that's, you know, it's an issue when it comes to like the party system. I would like to see, you know, maybe some sort of coalitions inside of the parties where like you can actually say hey you know we're the we don't compromise on the second amendment right you know other people over here like we don't compromise on this if you're part of this you know sub coalition inside the party then you know this is the issue that we actually care about mm -hmm. um and that will at least hope to make it a little bit more clear for people in in the middle because again we got to remember is that the average person is just you know they we are fighting for their attention with the left and whoever wins that fight is generally who they're going to go with because the main thing they're focused on is making sure that their family is fed and safe. Um, yeah. Well, that's the truth. I, I have two comments. One, and you, it's a very good point, Al. Um, 
one of the things is that if if we don't have mental institutions, if we if we defund the police, if we have all these chaos things happening, mm. then it's going to be easier for us to take the guns away from those crazy people, mm. right? But Philip, you and I, kind of close generation, I would imagine. Al, different generation. What there's one thing that is different that is, stands out to me is when we were young. They had mental institutions for people. Mm -hmm. They had a place for people that needed help to go. I had a family member that was had to go at one time. So that could be the missing link that really would solve a lot of these problems. We need to help people that have mental issues. Well, they said it Especially... was inhumane to keep them. Right, right. And I'm like, is that... How is it not inhumane that people are living on the streets and right. living in filth and, you know, uh, well, you got that, the violent ahead, ones. Philip. My uh -huh. argument is on the violent ones and not everybody with mental health issues is violent, but, but then again, a lot of them need help whether they're violent or not, because they can't fend for themselves. But, um, we, we, you know, the violent ones, we used to be able to take them off the streets. Understand that predators, be they with mental issues or just somebody that's just a bad person, a bad seed, they're predators. They should never be on the streets with the rest of us. In fact, the whole, whole fact that they say that, well, how are these violent criminals getting guns? Well, why are violent criminals even on our streets where we have to worry about them? Literally, everybody on the street should be somebody that could be trusted be, to be able to protect themselves and carry a gun. If they're if they're a predator, a predator will prey. We don't take lions out of the zoo and turn them loose downtown because we know that lion is a predator and it will kill people and kill and, and that's what it does. We have human predators that are exactly the same and just like that lion, they need to be behind bars and unless they are, they will continue to prey on us. And so the problem is not just mental health; it's all the way around getting people that are unfit to be with the rest of us away from us live their lives separately right. well we've been hearing in so many places where the crime has gone out of control that you know somebody can commit a crime in the morning and get taken to jail they're back out by lunch they commit another crime they go back into jail they're back out again by dinner and then they can commit another crime before it's bedtime and um that that speaks exactly to what you're saying. It's just this we've is got intentional. To use I, the laws that we have available to us. I agree with I think you. It, I think it's intentional, Cheryl and Dan. It I think it's intentional. It I think they want the crime rate up. Like I used, like I pointed out to our membership, for the longest time, as gun ownership went up, uh, then the crime was going down. So you had a V laying on its side. That's mm -hmm. not how you get rid of guns. If you want to get rid of guns, you need to say, "Oh, look at the crime rate." So how do you get the crime rate to go up when it's naturally going down? That's where you defund the police. You let violent criminals out. Let's get them going. Let's get more murders. Let's go. Uh, let's go easy on them. Let them know that they can they can kill and murder and rape, and we're not going to come down. We're going to come down harder on the person that defends himself. Mm -hmm. All of that was meant to drive the crime rate up, and it has. It's done so in the last two or three years. That's when this started. Actually, it began under Obama, and then it accelerated. Um, and um, yeah. it, it's intentional. And, and so, so we don't we, fight it. we don't control the violent people, so that when the chaos hits, we can control the everyone. Yeah, everybody. Yes. That's the way it's working. Because we we won't have we won't be able to defend ourselves because they're using 
the violent people as a reason to take our guns away from us and for the children. And so, you know, and then, and then now that we don't have the guns, then they go in and they do what they do in Venezuela or other countries or what they did in Cambodia or all these other places and just exterminate people. Absolutely. Exactly. So um, Al, back to you, and we're going to start wrapping up. We're running a little close to time. We need to do two hours on this one. I know, seriously. (laughs) But you had mentioned uh, part of your, uh, the academy learning is called practical politics. Mm -hmm. So what specifically falls under that heading? So basically the practical politics is our internship program that's really focused on the how do you actually run a an issues based campaign the second amendment and how do you how do you take the law so let me put it like this there's basically three main aspects of it there's the legal internship there is the um legislative internship and then there is the like door to door um internship and they all work together uh and they all kind of feedback off of each other so We'll start with like the legal internship. You actually learn what the law is right now. You work with several of the attorneys that we have that we've partnered with uh, across the state um, to actually see, well, all right, how does, you know, if if somebody is getting hit with a red flag um, and they've gotten their guns taken away, how does that process actually work legally? How does the law actually define the process of getting your guns back and, and all of that? So we actually have them working with the lawyers to understand how the law is now. We work with the legislatures, and that will be generally in the um, in the late summer and the and in the winter time. In the um, in February, because in Virginia, and this isn't necessarily the same in every state. So just for a little bit of context, in Virginia we have a part-time legislature, so they only work for about two months out of the year, usually um, February or March. But I think every every other session they have like a long session but that's getting too into the weeds um so during that period of time where the legislature is actually in session we actually will put our interns as interns in the legislator's office so they can actually see how is the law crafted the act you know we're 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 doing these other classes not necessarily part of the practical politics part but about civics and about how a bill becomes a law now if you're actually part of this internship you are you just paused your volume. Go ahead. Of how a bill becomes a law. Mm-hmm. Um, you're actually in the chairs, you're talking with the legislators, you're working with the legislative aides, you're working with LIS to actually craft legislation. And then, so once you have that entire, the legal aspect of it down to where what the law is, how it changes, how the different languages affects what actually happens, like the difference between may and shall, mm-hmm. um, and Huge so difference. then, exactly. And so then we actually go in, out into the neighborhoods and to the communities to let people know, hey, this is what the law was at the time. Uh, this is how the law changed. You know, this legislature, this legislator or delegate, as we call them here, um, they voted against it or they voted, um, you know, for it. And so that way we can actually start to politically change the environment because if we have people who are you know out here voting for red flag laws republican or democrat we can say hey this is an issue that you care about the person that you generally voted for voted against the issue that you care about you know what should you do about that 
Um, so basically teaching our, our young interns about the entire political process from uh, legislation, actually crafting legislation, implementing legislation, how that works practically um, through um, like the legal perspective in the courts and actually going out. And so when you are finished with our program, you should be able to go out and do this yourself for, you know, hopefully would say for the Second Amendment, but for whatever cause that, that you care about. So it's a really good experience, um, obviously really strong for people of the Second Amendment, but we would, you know, hopefully anybody who is a conservative uh, to, to check it out. Awesome. Fantastic. And you're muted again, Philip. Oh, yeah, he's a guy to learn. Um <laughs> The the the, uh, the the interesting thing about this too that Al pointed out was you know I was never a political science major mine was computer science but but for political science major like any almost any major in college you come out and you think you know everything and then you get in the real world and you find out oh man oh I don't know everything and it's the same thing with 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 political science majors they come out and they have no idea about the practical side of politics they have learned all the theory and this offers them also the ability. To learn the practical side, how do you go out and lobby somebody? How do you uh, organize to get your mission accomplished, and so forth and so on? So that's awesome. Uh, All right, we do need to start wrapping up. So, uh, Philip, to you, how do people follow the work of the Virginia Citizens Defense League? Okay, well, that's easy. Uh, just go to VCDL, as in Virginia Citizens Defense League. dot org. There you can join us. You can also sign up for our free email system, which goes out to 60,000 people. Uh, this keeps you posted on everything you need to know about gun laws in Virginia, but it's also useful to people that don't live in Virginia because we cover a lot of topics. We cover uh, all the latest things you need to know about. Uh, people love that, uh, love that system because we focus on guns. We don't get sidetracked on other issues. It's firearms related. So awesome. that, and then we're on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. So, so if you're so in another state, if you're in another state, you can still join and support. Absolutely, yeah. I'm even people member. from other countries, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I awesome. remember. I love that big orange sticker behind you. Gun <laughs> saves lives. And then yep. Al, how do people uh, find out more about the academy? Uh, is is there a way to support it financially? Tell us all about that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so if you do, so our website would be vcdl.org slash academy. Um, you can get there from the main VCDL landing page from the um, the navigation bar at the top. Um, from there, you can donate directly to us. You can join the VCDL Academy if you, um, if you want to. You can also sign up for our internship and see basically um, a lot of stuff that I've been saying in writing on that page as well. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for all your time today. Uh, this has been an education for us and hopefully for all of our listeners. And they will be reaching out from every state because, as you say, this is stuff that is needed from coast to coast and border to border. So thank you so much for all you do. Bye, Al. We will definitely have you back on again. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank Bye, you, Cheryl. Philip. Thank you, Dan. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Man, that was great. Yeah, you know, it just reminds me of, of how bad I was when I was a kid oh, by not, not listening to my dad right? and getting down hard and, and fighting for our rights. Yeah. You know, everybody, you know, even today, the, the, the older generation, 
yeah, we don't have to worry about it. They're not going to take my AR-15 away. Right. How about, well, we live in Arizona, so we're safe. And now we have Mark Kelly, who's part of the Giffords organization as one of our senators. Like that right there, it seems like that's a conflict of interest. That is kind of shocking. Let's talk about conflicts of interest. Who is our new governor now? What did she do? (laughs) Secretary of State. She was Secretary of State in charge of what? In In charge of the the election. election. It's crazy. Yes. Um, But yeah, so we, we are never safe. Our founders promised us one thing, and that was that it would take eternal vigilance to yeah. protect and preserve um our rights and you know, and if what we, they fought bled starved and died to secure for us if you do a little now mm-hmm. just a little bit now yeah. you won't have to do a lot later so and our true. kids won't have to do a lot later so that's true. that's the thing um i i absolutely agree and i hope they're also with the uh, vcdl academy i hope they're teaching people how to go in and testify because i think that's super powerful as well yeah and and let the legislators hear our side. We've been doing a lot of that here in Arizona. Um, uh, it's it's actually kind of fun. I really kind of enjoy yeah. doing that. Um, but we've got to get out on out of here because get we have here. get on out of here because we've got another guest waiting for our next show uh, on the other side of this one. So please, if you uh, want to re-watch this show or watch any of the shows we've ever put on then go to youtube or gunstreamer or um any of the main platforms that host videos that haven't you know silenced us because we talk about guns right uh and look us up there if you want to listen to the audio only version then go to gunfreedomradio.com click the on demand tab and binge listens to your heart desires content huh binge listens to your heart's heart's content (laughs) how about desires too that works i like it i mean come on i like it um but yes and if you want to see photos and bios of all of the guests we've ever had on our subject matter experts click the guest tab on that same site thank you so much to our amazing guests today and the work that they're doing to preserve freedom and educate the next generation and thank you to all of you who have tuned in your time is your most finite and precious commodity and when you spend it with us that is just precious so we are gonna scoot on out of here until next time we're gonna pray for our nation pray Pray for for our our leaders leaders. all of them danny yes all of them okay even the ones you don't like maybe especially the ones you don't like all right be good to each other have a great week and God bless. Bye-bye.